you know, you have these sort of existential moments in your career. And late 2016 was one of those moments for me. I was off on maternity leave and I was thinking about, it's been five years. Uh, where do I fit in now at Unbounce? You know, from, from early days of it being just me and Ollie, essentially, um, Ollie Gardner sort of running marketing there and me doing everything, right? Like, really doing everything, wearing every hat. And it was very exciting. And we were growing really quickly. And we were really busy. And I, you know, I would work weekends and evenings. And, uh, it, you know, we hustled. And it was really fun. And I love that. And so it, it a lot changes in a, a company that goes from we were 15 people when I joined um, to 200, almost nearly 200 by this time, uh, at late 2016, where I was like, is this the same role anymore? Is this still what I want? Do I still fit in? Ground Up, episode 16. In January of 2018, as a mom of two, and with very little plan for what would come next, Georgiana Lottie decided to leave her job as VP of Marketing at Unbounce. She'd seen great success after leading marketing there for five years. From the days of only 15 employees, collaborating one-to-one with co-founder Ali Gardner, through the days of 200 employees and being named one of the fastest-growing companies in Canada, Lottie played a big role. Now she wanted to pass on what she'd learned. She'd always had a passion for SaaS and saw an opportunity to bring executive-level experience to a space that badly needed it. She launched her own consultancy, a better customer experience, to do just that. She also launched Forget the Funnel, free weekly workshops featuring industry leaders aimed at helping SaaS marketers be more effective in their jobs. Through her consultancy, Lottie also offers free strategy calls to women and other underrepresented founders of tech companies. Lottie is someone I'd known from her time at Unbounce, and after learning of her career moves through her Medium post titled, Note to Self, My 17 Professionally Personal Happenings in 2017, I had to reach out to invite her to tell her story here on Ground Up. I learned that that post was essentially an accident. It started as a Facebook post, and based on the overwhelming response, she then posted it to Medium. So I started there. What does it take, and what motivates you, to post something so personal? I wrote this thing sort of as this like self-indulgent little like, okay, I've got to do my year end uh, in review or, you know, a, you know, a look back at 2017. And I was like, this is completely, it's all about me. It's breaking every rule there is. And, you know, especially from my time at Unbounce, but also just as my time as a marketer, content marketing, there's, there's some rules that go along with content marketing. And, you know, your the pieces that you produce are supposed to be about the reader and not the writer. And in my case, this particular post was 100% about me. So I was like, I, I'm breaking all these rules. This is really silly, but I'm doing it anyway. And I posted it to my personal Facebook, actually, because I was like, you know, the people who know me care about what happened to me in the last year and like this whole process. And so that's that was my sort of thinking behind it, I'll just post it to my Facebook because, you know, like my mom wants to know, like, so how did your first year in business go? <laughs> uh, and that was kind of my thinking behind it. So yeah, it's really been kind of funny to me that, well, funny, I'm embarrassed that it's <laughs> as, as like, I've had as many sort of outreach emails and stuff like that about this post because I'm like, oh. So the structure so, of it wasn't initially an article then, this was just a Facebook post? 
Well, it, no, it, I posted it to Medium, but and I have like another blog that is like completely neglected where I actually wrote about when I left Unbounce and that was like, okay, I need to make a formal announcement that I'm leaving. It's been five years. Everybody that I know personally, professionally, I air quote, knows me as like marketing at Unbounce. So I need to make an announcement that I'm leaving. And also, you know, not knowing really what was going to come next. I was like, at least I need to set the stage for something else to sort of the ether to sort of offer something up to me and without making an announcement, life will just go on and nobody's even going to know that I made this change in my life. So that was like, I wrote the announcement that I was leaving in in January of 2017. And that I posted to my personal Facebook. And that actually is what I write about on that medium post, which is like that, just that personal post to my own network, my personal network sort of catapulted this whole year. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe the response to that one, and I'm equally surprised by by this one. I guess at this point, I should maybe stop being surprised, but um, I don't know. I just I know incredible people, I guess, and they're incredibly supportive. And it's just been a, a wild ride since <laughs> since that January 2017 post, and now this one. I'm like, I can't believe anybody cares, but <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> I'm gonna drop the link to this article in the show notes for listeners, because we're probably going to reference this article quite a bit. Um, And I think speaking for me personally, the reason why this resonated with me, which was the, 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 the central theme of it was, you know, after uh, being a VP leading marketing at unbounce for over five years, and you were basically leaving to venture off on your own um, with not a really clear idea of what you wanted to do next. But then this whole article kind of details what happened next and the opportunities that presented themselves and I think the reason why it resonates with me and I'm sure many others is I don't so much love the posts about like, you should do this. Here's how to do X, Y, Z. Instead, I love the posts that are more personal in nature. That's like, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I did. And then it allows me to kind of like draw my own conclusions from it. Now, everybody learns differently, but like the posts that tell me what to think rather than like show me how you think about it. Um, I, I think those tend to do really well. So anyways... It's a great post. And as I just mentioned, the central theme of it is about this big change in your career and life Um, as a new mom of two that you mentioned in the post, um, steady in-house VP gig at Unbounce. A lot of people that listen are going to remember you from from your Unbounce days and the work that you did there with them. Um, But then you decided that, you know, it was time for a change and you had left that that steady gig. Uh, without really having like a concrete idea on what was next. So really basic question, why? <laughs> um, well, I had, like like you mentioned, I had just had my second uh, kid, which was, uh, I'm, I mean, even having the first, as a very sort of ambitious, I love working, I love what I do. Um, even having my first kid was like this huge sort of like, what does this mean? And how, I don't know if I can swear, but like, how much is this going to like fuck up my career? Like, what did I just do? And, um, and so second time around, I'm like, oh, here I, here I go again. And I just, you know, you have these sort of existential moments in your career and late 2016 was one of those moments for me. I was off on maternity leave and I was thinking about, it's been five years. Uh, where do I fit in now at Unbounce? Um, it's, it, you know, even just like 
because when you step away, sometimes you get this, you know, a more holistic picture of, you know, what you've accomplished. And, you know, from, from early days of it being just me and Ollie, essentially, um, Ollie Gardner sort of running marketing there and me doing everything, right? Like, really doing everything, wearing every hat. And it was very exciting. And we were growing really quickly and we were really busy. And I, you know, I would work weekends and evenings and, uh, you know, we hustled and it was really fun. And I love that. And so it, 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 a lot changes in a, a company that goes from, we were 15 people when I joined, um, to 200, almost nearly 200 by this time, uh, at late 2016, where I was like, is this the same role anymore? Is this still what I want? Do I still fit in? You know, is this, is this my next two years? Like what, where am I really going with this? So I, I sort of reevaluated the whole thing. And, um, I was like, no, you know what? I consulted before actually I had, I had freelanced before I was at Unbounce. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I can just go back to freelancing and, and figure it out. And so that's more or less what I did. Um, it was that announcement post that I mentioned and I was like, I'll just see what happens. I'll just tell the world that this is what I've decided and leave it kind of open-ended. And then, like I mentioned in my more reading, more, more recent medium post, it just sort of, everything just sort of occurred that day. And it just sort of quickly came to me through all the emails and outreach that I received, which was like, Hey, what are you doing now? So what's next? Hey, we're looking for, you know, a marketing director. We're looking for a CMO. Hey, would you be willing to relocate? Like all these outreach, wow. Hey, could you work with my company? It was bananas. Um, and, and I was you need like, that wow. reassurance after a change like that, right? That's totally. Like <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I was like, okay, great. So I'm okay. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. And even if I'm, you know, not, you know, making money next month, I'll still be okay. Cause I'll be able to, I can work with this essentially. But what I started to realize as I was having, cause I was taking every phone call, obviously. Um, and what I started to realize was there is a serious lack, I guess, um, of, senior leadership in this industry. And so people, and I, when I say this industry, I'm talking about SaaS, software as a service. And in tech overall, but in SaaS in particular, I, that's the one I know the best anyway. Um, I, even before I announced, even during my career at Unbounce, during my years at Unbounce, I had people reach out to me all the time about, hey, you know, would you ever consider leaving? Or, hey, do you know anybody like you? Or, hey, do you know anybody, you know, who's a senior marketer who would be interested in this or that or whatever role? And they were always in SaaS, obviously, because that's the industry that I was in. Um, but I was like, you know what, there is a serious gap there. There's a, a hole there. And I largely, I credit that to the fact that the SaaS industry is quite young. And I happened to get in when it was young. I've been doing marketing since, you know, longer than I'd like to admit. But, you know, it's been like 15 or so years. I've been in SaaS for, I don't know, eight, nine years. That's about as long. I know many, many people would argue that SaaS has been around longer than that. And of course it has. But uh, that's a long time for a very young industry. So it's for people who aren't familiar with SaaS. I'm like, I am senior in a young industry. So, and it's kind of easy to do that when the industry is young, right? So, um, so I just saw it as an opportunity to help companies and help marketers, um, just work better together and get more success a bit quicker. So I, I think of it as, 
largely as me being um, me for me like 10 years ago. And if I had had somebody like me 10 years ago or when I started my career at Unbounce even, um, I could have, I, I can't even imagine how much more effective I could have been in my first two years. I, I, I would have done, I would have been able to do a lot more. I, I wish I'd had that. And I'm not trying to say that I didn't have mentorship. I did. I actually is, I was in a unique situation where I actually did have quite a lot of mentorship. Um, but I know for a fact that many marketers do not. Um, I've spoken directly and indirectly with hundreds of marketers over this last year and lack of mentorship is all uh, mentioned almost everywhere by uh, almost all of them. And I think it's, it's, it's similar to what you said, the web-based cloud-based, mm -hmm. uh, era of software as a service of SaaS is young. And yeah. so there isn't a ton of precedence aside from the, here's how we increase leads by 2000% posts that you see everywhere. Right. So there's not a lot of time. There's not a ton of precedence and a lot, a lot of experience that you can lean on. Um, so that's great. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of saw this theme emerge in a lot of the, the, the response to your article essentially. Right. And yeah. you parlayed this into, into this, this consultancy, um, I'll let you tell that story, a better customer experience, right? So how, how did that, how did you parlay what you were learning into what became of this consultancy? Right. Well, at first I started just, yeah, sure. I'll do a day a week. Um, and I'll help you out with your with your strategy, with your marketing strategy at your SaaS company. And I, and I did that for, you know, the first few months, um, happily. And basically what I did was I helped build strategies and then I helped these companies primarily, I was working with the CEOs. I would help these companies, um, find people to execute on the strategies, but far and away, what I was trying to get them to do was hire somebody responsible for marketing, please. Like, or, you know, empower whoever is responsible for your marketing to actually be responsible for your marketing strategy as well, not just executing on somebody else's strategy, particularly the companies that I worked with that had marketers in place. I was super sensitive to that. Like, you don't, this isn't just somebody to execute on your strategy or my strategy. This, this should be somebody who's empowered to build a strategy on their own that they're really proud of, that they're really excited to execute on, um, and that they're really proud to own and advocate for within your tech company, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, let's face it, being a non-technical person at a technical company is not an easy role to play. Um, you're, you're up against a, a lot. And so, um, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, not doable. It absolutely is. But it's not an easy position to be in. And I don't know that everybody recognizes that, particularly founders who don't know marketing. Um, they don't have a marketing background themselves. Uh, you know, they may be on the more technical side or biz dev side, um, which is advantageous in a bunch of ways. But if they don't have a marketing background, it's hard to sort of recognize um, that, that additional challenge that might be there. So what I did was... I helped them build strategies alongside their marketers or even helped the marketer themselves. And then that's, that's when I was like, oh, wait a minute here. I should be working with a marketer, not the CEO. <laughs> uh, my relationship should be with them and talking to them about, here's how you talk to your CEO or here's how you talk to your CTO or your CPO um, about 
you know, this campaign that you want to run or this experiment that you want to run or this bet, this bet you're willing to sort of wager on, uh, here's how to, here's what the KPIs mean. Um, you know, here's how to uncover, you know, the true purpose of the, of the business. Here's how to learn about your customers. Here's how to, um, interpret a roadmap. (laughs) Here's the, here's the things that like a product roadmap, right? You know, here's what you should expect in terms of your relationship with your product team, things like that. Um, hiring, uh, you know, outsourcing to, you know, to writers, to paid acquisition specialists, whatever, but basically helping that marketer execute first of all, put together a strategy, and second of all, execute on that strategy. So what are you noticing in the absence of this type of approach to, 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 the, to this strategy, this level of sophistication? What are marketers or folks sort of uh, taking that marketing role at SaaS companies? Like, what are, they, what are they doing? Like, what are the things that they're leveraging to grow if if there's this this big hole which which I agree with I've right. seen and frankly I've I've been a part of it before in the past. Right. Um well in the the typical story um is that and and Claire uh Solentorp and I you know talk about this in this we'll talk about it in a second I'm sure but forget the funnel we have identified this and I remember having calls with her like so your companies are doing this too right like and we knew it because we were both in those positions as well we were both marketers at tech companies and typically marketing becomes an emergency right so like in the early days of this startup there's no marketing um most of the time uh, there's nobody in doing any marketing except for maybe the CEO. And then all of a sudden marketing becomes this emergency and they're like, Hey, quick, get somebody in marketing in here to execute on this stuff. And this marketer is brought in typically mid-level because like, like we know, you know, there, there's not that many senior people in the SaaS space and the SaaS people who are in the senior people who are in the SaaS space are very expensive and very unavailable. So mid-level or even junior level people are brought in and they are, Basically, their their strategy is prescribed, prescribed by um, the senior team, prescribed by influencers, prescribed by sort of outside influence, um, and they're they're sort of in mad execution mode, like chicken with their head cut off execution mode, and they work their asses off. They tend to be overworked um, and and stressed out and feeling like they're maybe, uh, they maybe have a little bit of imposter syndrome. They maybe feel like they're not being taken as seriously or they're not as valuable to the organization as let's say the engineering or product team. Um, and so they struggle a little bit with really owning the function of marketing within the organization. And they can they can start to rely on, on strategy being prescribed or, um, fearing, um, really sort of owning it, the, the, this, the strategy or proposing something or bringing ideas to the table, uh, cause they may not be, or feel not that they may not be empowered in that way. They might be being empowered in that way, but they may not feel like they, like they can do that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of this slippery slope to, um, not thinking strategically enough, not being able to get out of the weeds, um, and not really owning and understanding that marketing is a big deal. Marketing is a huge part of, uh, SAS huge. It's pivotal. Like the SAS very rarely moves forward, um, 
without a, an active marketing component to it. And it's a big opportunity, especially for junior and mid-level marketers who come into SaaS companies, especially the ones that are, you know, on their path to success and high growth is a massive career opportunity for them. Uh, so it's, it can go either way. They can be like, no, you know what, this is not for me. And they bail out the other end or they burn out. Um, or they can sort of grab the bull by the horns for lack of a better expression and, and learn and really own it and get their, and I air quote, seat at the table at a tech company. And that's, that's my sort of, that's always been a, that's always been a personal goal of mine. And now I feel like my business has actually given, put me in a position to be able to actually see that into fruition and actually go from like mid-level marketer, um, to, marketer who's killing it at this company and really owns the growth at this company and is taken seriously and, um, is really an indispensable part of the team. And these that's are, also forget the, the funnel. These are great points. I think, I think you're right in that there's, there seems to be in some cases, this idea, uh, particularly in the SaaS space where if you build, if you build it, they will come, right? If you build a <laughs> yep. great, great products don't need marketing. Well, right. And I saw this recently, um, somebody had a post about this. I can't remember who it was, but it was like, did Nike need marketing? Is your product better than Nike? Is uh, right. did, did Apple need marketing? Of course they did. Is your product better mm-hmm. than, than a MacBook or an iPhone? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything needs marketing. And I think there's this idea that I'll just build it, throw it on Product Hunt and you know, right. it'll, it'll be viral or, uh, or we'll have right. a good referral system and that's all we'll need. So mm-hmm. I think this it's, is radically, yeah. it's, it's needed this, this yeah. sort of approach. Yeah. It's funny too, because part of the, the outreach that I received after announcing that I was leaving was from, um, was from the VC community. And it was like, we know <laughs> that these companies need marketing. We know these SaaS companies and these young startups um, are undervaluing marketing and we want you to like come in and train them. That was part of part of the outreach to me was about training founders. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not. (laughs) I don't want to train your founders. (laughs) I want to train the, the marketers that your founders hire because you and I both know that market that that needs to exist as a function within the company. Um, Does it need to be the first hire? Maybe not, but it should be pretty, it should follow pretty closely. Uh, And ideally it is, ideally it is one of the first hires. So um, this is something that is recognized in the industry. I don't know where it got lost somewhere along the way it got lost um, with a lot of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say with like engineers, cause that's not fair. Um, or with product people, cause that's not fair. That's not necessarily true. Um, it's definitely not a universal like rule there, but somewhere along the way it was like, ah, oh, we'll worry about marketing later. I think and for some reason, yeah. And, and my, what I've seen too, is like, I think a lot of SaaS marketers think, or uh, that's an oxymoron because it's early on, maybe not prioritized, but I think a lot of people in SaaS uh, have this dream of network effects working for them mm-hmm. in a way that Facebook did or Snapchat did or right. like these 0.5 percenters, you know, that the yeah. network effects turns them into multi, multi, multi-billionaires many times over, that that's not mm-hmm. going to work for the majority of us. Well, um, and that happened with marketers in place. I mean, look at the brands that they had, you know, that they went viral with. Like, I, you know, I, I see exactly what you're describing. I see these young companies and I'm like, 
your logo needs a redesign. Like your website is not like if you are going to go, you're not ready to go viral. Your your the your web presence in that you have in place right now isn't going to let you go viral with your product. I don't care how good your product is. Uh, and that, I don't know, I guess it's, um, it's this misconception that that's going to happen in absence of having a sort of putting a professional, um, sort of forward facing like face on your, on your business. The product can't speak for itself. If your website doesn't communicate what it does, if your, you know, your messaging that you put out onto the internet doesn't adequately communicate, um, why somebody should even bother going to your website to even evaluate whether or not your product is right for them. Um, you know, that all those things sort of need to be in place and it's not going to be your, you know, the person in charge of your product that's going to put together your website or your, you know, the CEO who's like doing the copywriting or, you know, it's actually Jason Lemkin recently wrote a post. I think I'll never remember the name of it, but it was, it was something to that effect. Like CEOs get out of your own way. Like you can't be everything to everybody. You are not the expert of everything and you can't be at a certain point. You've got to realize where your shortcomings are and start hiring people to do this stuff because you cannot be the expert on all of it. That's great advice. Yeah. Uh, and so you're working primarily with SaaS marketers and I know every company and situation is going to be different, but mm -hmm. what is your, what does your playbook look like? Like what are the, what are the handful of things that you try to get uh, these marketers to think about or to consider or, or to make up their holistic strategy? Do you, have you like identified, um, something that would make up a playbook or like a t five things that they need to implement or what have you um, sort of yeah. discovered there, I guess? Uh, somewhat. Um, yeah. And there, there's a lot of things and I, the order in which they come, it differs from, from company to company, depending on a, what they're ready for B what they have in place and C, you know, um, who's in place to execute on it. And so, or actually like see it through. Um, but there's always a component of identifying who you are as a business and what you stand for. And one of my favorite things to refer to is the Google Ventures three-hour brand sprint. And the reason I refer to it so often is because it's three hours. And it's what many people who are like brand averse and don't even want to like, I don't have time for brand. Who has time for brand when you're building a product, right? But it I'm like, it's three hours. Everybody can find three hours for this. And it's not a perfect formula or anything, but what it does do for the company is help them really identify why they're getting out of bed in the morning. It forces them to think about why they're doing what they're doing, which is not only important for the founders to really get clear on, but also the team surrounding them and getting th that, that team really um, aligned and sh having a shared language, um, on why they get it, why they do what they do every day, but it also really helps them articulate it outwardly. So not only in your marketing, but also in your hiring. And so, and that tends to be a tough thing to do, especially when you're a strapped startup where you don't have these, you know, glossy salaries to, to offer, um, hiring talent, based on giving a shit about what your company, the problem that your company is solving is one of the best ways to attract, um, 
good people and good people who care about solving the problem that you solve. Um, and a lot of founders are in the early days don't take the time to really articulate the why. And actually when I'm talking about the why is that that Simon Sinek famous like golden circle, right? You identify um, the what you're doing, the how you're doing it differently from everybody else, and then the why you do it at the, at the core. And forcing a business to think about those things is really empowering for them to start talking about their business in a different sort of elevated way and also attracting people to their company, not only as customers, but as potential team members. So that's one of the first things I like to get them to do, whether or not I help them to do it, whether or not they do it on their own. I don't care. Just do something like that. We really get clear on who you are and what you stand for and why you're doing it. Um, and then the, there's obviously a lot of stuff that will come out of that. And these resources that you will produce sort of out of that as, as a marketer. Um, but, but also customer research, huge, obviously, um, that is something that working with Claire Solentorp, I've learned a ton. Um, she's talked a lot about that. We talk a lot about that and forget the funnel, uh, that customer research process. I use that now with my clients as well, a sort of, um, an MVP version of customer research. So basically helping companies get their toes wet. Um, and, uh, from customer research, there's a, there's a lot of things like, you know, learning about your competitors, but not too much. Cause that's not too sexy of a topic to talk about in SaaS or with engineers or product people. Um, but you know, have to know a little bit, all of this. I love to personally, as a marketer, I love to work up to customer experience, um, mapping and customer journey mapping. So learning about who you are and learning about your customers really puts you in a good position to think about, the relationship your customers have with you, not as a product, but as a company and a brand. Um, so above and beyond your user experience is that customer experience. Everything from figuring out, you know, discovering you as a company and a brand and seeing your logo for the first time or uh, whatever avenue that they discover you on to um, evaluating your going on your website and learning more about you and, and going through that consideration or evaluation stage into signing up, um, you know, figuring out whether or not the, the tool is right for them, evaluating through that onboarding experience all the way through to, um, loyalty and expansion marketing. And so that customer, that's why I named my company what I did because that customer experience Marketing is the entire gamut of that. Marketing doesn't stop at acquisition. Um, you know, the customer marketing is arguably more important than acquisition marketing. Um, so that's that. If I had like a playbook, it would be getting companies to a point where they understand that customer experience. Um, they can tie KPIs to each of those stages. And when I say KPIs, I mean like meaningful KPIs that are actually indicative of somebody having success with your company or your product through those stages. And then really evaluating, um, all your communication, whether or not it be marketing or your customer marketing, to how good of a job does that do? Um, what are the opportunities that you're missing? Uh, and really sort of building a strategy around your customers as opposed to just your business goals. And I want to make sure we don't gloss over. So you just mentioned something about actual KPIs that suggest a successful user or a successful customer. And I think mm -hmm. that this 
aligns with i mean you named your consultancy a, a better a better customer experience a better cx yeah you could have angled this or positioned your consultancy about growing your scaling your SaaS company right it could have been yes. more more positioned towards the founder or even the marketers right like here's how yeah. to get more from your marketing but you positioned it towards the customer which i think is is great um mm. which is which is underserved as you said customer marketing especially in SaaS. so yeah. why a better customer experience like uh, obviously i think we know why there needs to be a good one but why position it that way um and because it, it, it seems like it's something that you're passionate about so i guess yeah why why that positioning it, yeah it is it's something i'm passionate about and to be honest i mean e- even during my my time at at um unbounce which was largely focused on acquisition rightfully so um you know i say rightfully so because there's a, there was a customer success team um, who did a lot of the, the, the more customer marketing facing stuff. But um, I didn't get to exercise those muscles as much or I did, but I wasn't that I wasn't directly responsible for it, even though it was a part of the business that I absolutely loved. And I was very close with Ryan Angley and still am Ryan Angley, who ran customer success um, at Unbounce. Um, and it was just it's always been a part of marketing that people just think of, and especially in tech and in SaaS, they think of marketing as acquisition focused. And it was just my like reminder that if you're reaching out to me, <laughs> maybe it was my response to, if you're reaching out to me only about lead gen and acquisition, that's not what I stand for. That's not the kind of marketing that I stand for. I stand for a much more holistic approach to marketing. And so I guess that was my um, answer to that is that I'm, I'm not, I'm not only going to talk to you about acquisition or lead gen. I am also going to be talking to you about your onboarding and I'm also going to be talking to you about your, you know, customer engagement and your um, expansion marketing and everything else. So I, I don't end marketing at acquisition. Uh, And so I guess it was just sort of a testament to that and a reminder, like, uh, you know, you're right. I could have focused on um, just marketing, uh, but maybe it's because I, my reputation was always so marketing, 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 acquisition, 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 that I was sort of um, trying to balance that potentially. And those playbooks are well-defined, right? Like acquisition, marketers know what to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, bl- content, blog posts, Facebook ads. Um, right. You know, if, if they post their, their content to, to syndicated forums or sites or communities, customer marketing is a bit more... Uh, it's a bit more squishy, right? Because it is all those things too. But I mm-hmm. think there's just, and, and, and this is just my experience from working with with marketers, is that there's just a general misunderstanding of what it what it is. Oh, well, I don't yep. I don't want to talk too much about our product. We can't sound. This is the word you hear so much. Uh, I'm sure you hear is quote unquote salesy. <laughs> we don't want to sound salesy, right. but you're selling right. a product, right? <laughs> you, you're mm-hmm. trying you're trying to make money, right? You need to make people successful in order to do that. So. Mm-hmm. I've always found that I think it's just this fear of sounding salesy or fear of promoting too much of the product and be, and it swings way, way in favor of the top of the funnel and just talking about the problems and not yeah. enough about here's some solutions too. Yeah. <laughs> so and you- here's how to help them be successful and give them the tools to be successful and learn about what it actually is that helps them to be right. successful and deliver it to them as as quickly as possible, right? So like what, help. What formats work best for that? Do you think? Because, like I said, the acquisition, the top of funnel, it's well defined. When it comes to customer marketing, 
And again, it, it, it also all those things too, but in your experience, like what, what levers work best there in terms of having a successful customer marketing strategy? You know, it really depends on the company itself. Cause a, a lot of, a lot of these companies young, young and more mature have very active sales teams. Um, and so this obviously sales comes into play a lot. Um, you know, how much, is it a high assist or, you know, a low touch, um, experience that you want your customers to have, you know, price point obviously plays into that a lot. Um, you know, do you want to deliver a white glove experience? Then your customer experience marketing is going to be very different than a self-directed or self-led or low touch, um, or DIY, you know, there's a million ways to sort of refer to it, um, software. So, it really depends on the product itself. Sometimes it's sometimes it's an in-app experience. Sometimes it's an in-person experience. Sometimes it's an email. It really it really depends. But what I try to help companies do is identify where those opportunities are, and also identify like what have you not even what have you not tried yet that you should experiment with, even in just in terms of messaging or parts of the product that should be highlighted, um, or talked about more or, or whatever, but the, the channels themselves are, that's, it's less important because depending on the product, you are going to be using different ones, right? Like some, sometimes it's a phone call and sometimes it's an in-app message and, and the, the mechanism for that just has to, you have to experiment, but get putting like having the environment, um, or the culture to experiment with that stuff sometimes is half the battle is just getting to the point where that marketer is in a position to be able to run that kind of experiment. Sometimes that's the biggest um, hurdle that needs to be sort of overcome. Agreed. Is that like, yeah, if what, I mean, that's customer marketing, right? That's it's customer communications and your, your product team, um, is, is it's definitely a, um, it's different in every company and your product team obviously plays a huge role in customer communication. However, depending on where that line starts and stops, you can't drop the ball there. And that's, I think where the ball gets dropped a lot between somewhere between product and marketing or, and or CS, depending on how your, your company is structured or where the responsibility lines lie. But there somewhere along the way, you know, you have to connect those dots between the product and, and marketing and I think that marketers are so focused or tend to be so focused on the top of that funnel um, that they never even get there to, to figure out what is going to work. What is the best channel? What's the best way to talk to my customers? How do they want to be approached with this, you know, uh, this messaging? Even just figuring out, can I run this experiment and learn uh, is, is there's a, uh, that's a hard part now it, it, this is part of the, the sort of funny part, which I didn't realize was going to happen when I started my business was that everybody reaches out to me for marketing strategy. However, a large part of what I end up doing is marketing ops and, and really that management and strategy and, um, organizational type stuff. So like how the marketing team is even structured, how to hire, how to run effective one-on-ones, um, you know, how to set KPIs, uh, how to set projections for the coming year, um, how to make a 90-day pl- a, a plan. All of these things are very 
organizational and management layer stuff and not even related to like which channel performs the best. Um, and, and I really end up talking about that. I don't want to say half the time, but all, yeah, actually it is probably about half the time. That's what I end up focused on with marketers is helping them sort of navigate the, the operations of the company. So all this stuff sort of was bundled uh, underneath this umbrella of the consultancy that you started a better, it's, it's a better CX.com is the website. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and obviously you're, you're heavily positioned. You're, you're working with SaaS marketers, uh, yeah. which is something you're passionate about. So how did you, like, how did you net those first few customers? And you mentioned that you got a lot of, you got a lot of engagement after, you know, the news broke that you were leaving Unbounce was, mm-hmm. were the, were the first initial ones through that? And, and have you, have you, have you relied on a ton of marketing yourself or like, how's that early, I guess, uh, customer, um, sort of relationships going? Mm-hmm. Like my own customer acquisition. Um, yeah, it was a hundred percent referral. Um, I haven't done any marketing per se for a better CX at all. Actually, mostly what it is, is referrals. And I, I only take on a limited amount of customers. Obviously there's only so many hours in a, in a day. And that was, or I should say clients, because I have solely ongoing relationships with my clients with the exception of like, I do 60 minute strategy calls as like a way to get somebody some like quick information so they can be on their way and they may come back eventually, but just set them up. Um, but most of the time it is an ongoing relationship. So I don't actually need that many. I don't need to do a large amount of marketing because I have few long term relationships. And so because I only take on a few, they just sort of come organically. If I needed big numbers, well, yeah, I would have a bigger, you know, I would have a marketing strategy around that, but I don't actually need that um, because I do almost entirely, well, I do entirely one-on-one. For a better CX, I do one-on-one relationships only. I was even in a position where I was turning people away and I was like, this sucks that I have to turn people away. And that's when I paired up and hooked up with Claire, um, who did similar to me, she started a similar type businesses as I did. Um, she was a bit more focused in terms of her offering than I was. Um, and that's when we hooked up, we were like, you know what, we should be able to do this for more than just one company at a time. This is, this is teachable type stuff. And so that's when we started our workshops. So to answer your question, how do I do marketing? Really forget the funnel. Those forget the funnel workshops are really the, that's my, that's my outlet for marketing um, it, are running those workshops with her. Right. And that's, uh, and this is uh, forget the funnel is a, is, is separate obviously from, from a better customer experience, but mm-hmm. what do um, I guess describe these workshops? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it's pulling experience from both you and Claire. So yeah. I guess what is your, what does the typical workshop consist of? It's, you know, it solves the same problem that my business does, which is, um, helping those marketers, um, feel as empowered as they should and sort of have the tools, um, that they need in order to, um, be more successful, be more effective, think more strategically, you know, 
what does that even mean? Like what of our, one of our workshops was on that topic. Like, oh, so you're being told to think more strategically. Okay. Let's break that down. What does thinking more strategically even mean? Um, and that's my, that's my point. Like the ops side of things that more operational side of things, that's not, I'm not talking about, we're not talking about marketing in that workshop. We're talking about what does it mean to think strategically and how can a SaaS marketer prove that they're thinking strategically? Um, when we first did our, and this will sort of answer your question. Hopefully it's not too long winded of a way, but like when we first announced that we were going to run these workshops, we asked marketers who signed up for these workshops, what are you struggling with? And they replied in droves and far and away, the number one thing that these marketers identified as a daily struggle for them was establishing trust and gaining buy-in from their CEO or founders and being sort of taken seriously as a marketer within their organization. Um, and we're like, okay, well, that answers that. We need to be talking about, you know, how to help these marketers. Um, I don't want to say feel more confident because that sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, give them the tools to be more successful and more effective considering the situation that they're in, which is typically like limited resources. Um, you know, they need to move really, really quickly and they need to, um, prove results and show results, um, constantly. Um, it's just that every startup sort of has that, um, DNA. And so how do these marketers put themselves in a position like that? Some of the marketers that, that attend the Freak at the Funnel workshops are very experienced marketers, but they don't know SaaS very well. And some of them are brand new to marketing and brand new to SaaS. So it's uh, a big sort of, it runs the, the gamut of who would sort of gain value there, but primarily who we speak to are those marketers who are the first marketer, or maybe they're on a small marketing team at a SaaS company who's really looking to uh, looking for the tools to be more effective and really to become a leader at their company and be seen as a leader within their company, which is a not a typically non-technical person at a technical company. Um, and, and through marketing and through the love of marketing, because I personally think SaaS marketing is like the coolest place to be right now. I think that there's amazing things happening in SaaS marketing. And I'm super excited for anybody who starts a job as a SaaS marketer. I'm like, yay, you're going to have so much fun. Like this is, it is so interesting and it changes, you know, month to month. It's totally different. And it's like a really cool spot to be. And you get to solve, help companies solve really cool problems. There's really cool products uh, out there right now um, to help sort of share with the world. So I think SaaS marketers are, I think doing SaaS marketing is like the funnest job there is personally. Um, so I really, these workshops are like, here's, here's hopefully um, we'll get you to sort of that seeing those success marketer markers sooner than if you were like, just reading blogs or attending conferences or talking to your boss who may not really understand marketing at the end of the day. And you're maybe missing some of that, um, mentorship. So getting that buy-in from the senior leadership team was mentioned as a struggle. Thinking more strategically was mentioned as a struggle and lack or lack of mentorship was really mentioned as a struggle as well. And then of course the, the things you would expect, like getting started in SaaS marketing and how to build a strategy and what are the channels that I should be experimenting with and things like that. So what is the format? So it looks like you, you record every, every week and it's live, right? So it's, it's, it's similar yeah. to a webinar format. 
it's it's yeah it's funny and they and it gets referred to as as webinars all the time but we actually run them quite informally and more like workshops um so we're the first season we did um a couple were run by just claire and i and uh out of the 18 i think it was 11 were actually run by expert marketers in the space um like awesome awesome people um and if you go to I think, yeah, you can see it actually on forgetthefunnel.com. There's a list of all the, the workshops that we have on there and who they were run by. Right. Yeah. Like you have these people are from like Wistia, from Buffer, from Fullstone, yeah, Zendesk. Yeah, exactly. AppCuse, yeah. Autopilot. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so last season, what we did was, um, those, some were run by us and some were run by other, uh, these other expert marketers and they were recorded and we would, we would record them on, Wednesdays and send them out on Thursdays this coming um season which we're launching in February is actually going to switch we switch up the format a little bit we're going to run live like Q&A so last getting into way too many details here but last season what we did was we finished off our season with a live Q&A so like send us your your biggest challenge in SaaS marketing right now and Claire and I just answered as many as we could in a 45 minute period. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do one of those every month moving forward. So that way people can ask their very specific, um, problems and the things that they're struggling with. They want some very specific answers to, so we can do that. And then we're also going to have these guest run. We're going to do three guest run workshops and we're going to do one live Q and a where you can like sub- submit your questions in advance. Um, and we'll, we'll get them answered as, as, best we can. Um, Claire and I, you know, have both been in this industry for a long time and we learned a ton last season as well. So, um, yeah, we just want to be able to give them the tools to, you know, feel, uh, feel better and feel like they can actually be more effective more quickly. We really, you know, we both know that we would have benefited from it a lot when we started out. And so we're, really excited to be able to do that for others. It's like these like mission of ours that we can help people um, earlier in their careers. And this is uh, just because I'm on the website now uh, mm. for, for everybody listening. These are these are free to subscribe to, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So forget the funnel dot com. Um, like uh, like Georgiana just mentioned, uh, there's a first season that you can get uh, all the replays from by signing up. Mm-hmm. But then, as she just mentioned, there's a second season coming up as well. So that's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's a great resource. Um, this sounds really interesting. I myself am, mm-hmm. am going to sign up right now. So uh, <laughs> awesome. I, I've heard a lot about it, but I but you know I, I haven't attended one yet. So it'd be it'd be right. I think super fun to uh, mm-hmm. to riff with other like minded people, right? A bunch of people that are in your space and and have similar challenges yep. to you. I, w- I would assume must be super helpful for everybody involved. Yep, yep. It's it's a lot of fun. They're like these a little like off the cuff and like they're not these super polished you know, webinars with like a pitch or anything. There's none of that. It's a hundred percent like, okay, here's what we're solving today. And it, they're 30 minutes so that they are like digestible during a work day. They're not like a, an hour long or anything. They're, they're meant to be very fast paced. Um, and they're week over week. 
And the last thing I wanted to touch on, um, because you've been so generous with your time, uh, I guess it's because you, you're not busy enough, uh, which is a joke. You also, you, which is, uh, I found through the bettercx.com website. You also mm-hmm. offer free 60 minute, uh, marketing strategy calls to, to women, but also other underrepresented founders. Um, That's right. and you kind of go into why you're doing it and, and obviously not just SaaS, but, corporate America in general, right? It tends to be very dominantly, predominantly white men. And you talk about why you love working with them. The lack Mm -hmm. of diversity can be discouraging. So Mm -hmm. um, obviously this is something that uh, just from reading through your work here, this is something that you're uh, also very passionate about. So talk about the, uh, the, the offering there, the decision to, to, to put yourself out there and, and maybe some things that you've learned um, from, from going through that. Yeah, you know, that was one of, I was so excited to be able to do that. And to be honest, I don't know even know where I got the idea to do that from. I, I've been involved in the sort of women in tech space for a long time, longer than I even like care to admit that it's even been an issue. I can't even believe it's still a thing. Um, but in 2009, I believe that was it, somewhere around there anyways, I got involved with a local community of women in tech that held live events. And I got involved with them. And for two years, I ran these live events for women to looking to break into tech. And I'm not talking about marketing. I'm talking about every avenue. We would hold these live events and they were mostly standing room only. It was totally ridiculous. Um, widely, widely um, popular events, local, in person and free. And then I started, I moved out West. I moved to Vancouver to work with Unbounce. And so I couldn't do that anymore. They, they continue to run though. They're still being run um, locally. And that was sort of my first taste of that problem. And I've stayed quite closely attached to it since. Um, I'm on a couple of boards. I've spoken on panels like women in tech panels. Um, and I, I now have two daughters. So, uh, though before it was always just about like women in tech. Now I'm like, okay, <laughs> raising leaders in STEM, um, are very important like science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and so it's kind of, it's a very close to my heart sort of cause. So I was like, how do I tie this all together? I have a community on Facebook of parents of, of, you know, daughters and, um, caretakers of daughters who are looking to, you know, raise the next generation of leaders in the STEM industry. I'm part of a government funded program, a three year government funded program for helping, uh, systemic change in, um, STEM companies for helping the advancement of women. Um, but my own business, I wasn't representative, um, of that. I, all my clients were white guys. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) like the whole rest of my life, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight and I'm, you know, I'm doing, you know, as much as I, I, I can, but my business itself is still just a bunch of white guys. And while I love them, and I love working with them and they're awesome. Um, I just, I figured if there was anything that I could do to sort of help give a, a bit of an advantage to people who have been widely disadvantaged, um, then I wanted to try to do that. And to be honest, like I haven't had anybody take advantage of it. I've had only legitimate, like, and legit awesome women, um, reach out to me for those calls and they've been amazing. And I'm so impressed by them. And I'm like, wow, if I can help you, that's great. And you know what? Their background isn't in marketing. So I have something of value, um, you know, to provide to them, but they are a total inspiration to me as well. 
um, they've, they're really, they've been incredible, all of them. Wow. What a, what a great, like you said, you're learning a lot too from them. So what a great, Mm -hmm. uh, just a great, a great venture and and, and something for you to set up as well. So yeah, Georgiana, you're, you're doing so much great work and it was, it was great to, to catch up with you. Uh, that blog post really, I think when, when I saw it a a month, uh, a month, not even a month ago, what was really inspiring. and, And I was like, I need to get her on and it happened so quick. So I appreciate you being so flexible with everything else that you have going on. And uh, yeah, this good luck with all this because it's all so desperately needed. And um, yeah, and, and, and the work that you're doing, but also the people that you're pulling together to to mm. put some of this material out through Forget the Funnel and, and the workshops is just tremendous. So thank you so yeah. much for coming on and, and, and good luck with everything that you have going. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.